Welcome to the Health Trip Podcast. My name is Jill Foos. I'm a functional medicine and integrative nutrition health coach. I created this podcast to bring you along as we travel down intriguing science-packed roads, debunking old medical paradigms and perusing new innovative therapies and modalities with the finest functional medicine doctors, practitioners, and like-minded biohackers while living our best life. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Health Trip Podcast. And today's episode is all about thyroid health. Conventional medicine and functional medicine approaches butt heads when it comes to optimizing the thyroid gland and is a pretty darn important part of the equation when it comes to optimizing your overall health and wellness. It's a small butterfly-shaped gland situated at the base of the front of your neck, just below your Adam's apple and controls your metabolism or how your body converts the food you eat into energy it can use. It regulates how fast your heart beats, how deep you breathe, and whether or not you lose or gain weight. The thyroid also regulates body temperature, cholesterol levels, and women's menstrual cycles. 23 years ago, I had a partial thyroidectomy, removing half of my thyroid due to nodules and a cancer scare. Luckily, I didn't have cancer. However, the removal of my thyroid has led me down a path of health-related issues for many years, including chronic hair shedding and thinning, depression, lack of motivation and focus, insomnia, losing weight or gaining weight. I continue to struggle with mild insulin resistance, even though I am pretty lean. My libido was affected for many years and I experienced waves of chronic fatigue during the day. There's hypothyroidism, which is what I have, hyperthyroidism, Graves' disease, and Hashimoto's, as well as goiters. Getting your thyroid tested in the conventional healthcare model is incomplete, often not receiving the proper tests needed to look at the full story of your thyroid health. The results are also skewed using normal lab ranges versus the functional medicine approach, which includes a more comprehensive thyroid lab panel looking at optimal ranges. In the world of normal ranges, you're being compared to about 90% of the population, which these days is pretty ill. Do you wanna be compared to a 72-year-old diabetic woman with heart disease? I don't. My guest today is going to share her expertise on all things thyroid related. She's going to talk to us about what to do if you suspect your thyroid is not functioning properly or what to do if you've been working with a doctor who may or may not be serving you and your thyroid any longer. Dr. Amy Horneman, aka The Thyroid Fixer, is a woman on a mission to optimize thyroid patients around the world and give them their lives back using her proprietary transformational program, The Fix Method. She's also the founder of the Institute for Thyroid and Hormone Optimization. After her own experience of insufferable symptom, symptoms, misdiagnosis, and improper treatment, Dr. Amy set out to help others who knew she who she knew were also going through the same set of frustrations and who were on the same medical roller coaster as her. She grabs your hand, gives you answers about your health that no one has told you, and gives you the actual tools and personalized treatment to fix you. What makes her program unique is the extra support and accessibility that you can't find anywhere else. That's the transformational journey. With a focus on optimizing thyroid and hormone function and thus optimizing her patients, Dr. Amy looks at you as a unique individual and not just a lab value. She examines all factors that tie into thyroid dysfunction and thyroid symptoms and fixes you to give you your life back. Sounds pretty good to me little medical disclaimer before you jump into the podcast. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice or for making any lifestyle changes to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any of my guests on my podcast. So sit back and let's have a deep dive on the thyroid. Hi, Dr. Amy. Welcome to the Health Trip Podcast. Hi, Jill. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, I am so excited to have you. You are just um, a gem in the field of functional medicine. You have such a, I was telling you um, before we started that you have such a great delivery of information for women to really understand about the thyroid and sex hormones. You cover it all. Thank you. Thank you. I try. My, my mission is really to 
get the education out there so that we can all be better patient advocates for ourselves. Absolutely. So what even led you down this path to specialize in thyroid function? Pain to purpose. I mean, that's how so many of us got here, right? Is our own, we have to go through our own struggles in order to realize that this is a need in the community. So if we rewind 20 some years, I was competing in figure shows. I was doing fitness modeling and I knew what I was doing. I had a coach. I had done this multiple times before. I knew how my body was supposed to respond. And one particular show, I started gaining weight instead of losing weight. Now, if you think about, even though I do not subscribe to calories in, calories out, it didn't biologically make sense that the way that I was eating and how I was exercising would result in a weight gain. It didn't even make sense. So I did what we all do. I went to my doctor and I asked him, you know, what's going on? I said, this is what's going on with me and it's not right. And I want some answers and I'm frustrated and whatever tests they ran at the time, who even knows, right? But whatever tests they ran at the time, uh, I was normal. Everything was fine, air quotes, air quotes. And I kept going. And I went to six other doctors until the seventh one diagnosed me. And, you know, it was a journey from there. So I was excited about the diagnosis. So I got the diagnosis of hypothyroidism. I left that office. I was like, yeah, there's going to be a pill. This is going to fix everything. This is long before I got into functional medicine, though. And I left and I I realized now she gave me Synthroid and, you know, I gave it five months, no weight loss whatsoever, did not feel better. Hair was not, didn't stop falling out. My hair was falling out at the time as well. And after five months of no change, I went back to her. I said, you know, there's this thing that I'm finding on Google, Dr. Google (laughs) called T3. And this seems to really work well with T4. Can we do this? She goes, no, I don't do that. I said, well, I'm going to find somebody who does. And I kept hearing the name of this functional practitioner over and over again. So I finally went and he was the pivotal point. He changed my life. He's now my mentor. I studied under him. Everything he did with me 25 years ago is what I do with patients now, really digging through the labs and finding those patterns and seeing what is low normal and what should be actually optimal, even though it's in the standard lab value range. Right. He, he just put me on the right path and completely changed my life. And after that, that changed the whole trajectory of my career, because I knew if I was going through that kind of frustration, so many other women are, so many other people are, but of course, Hashimoto's hits women the hardest. So yeah, that's, that's what led me here to help others. Yeah. I have a similar story. Um, many years ago, I was, I had a partial thyroidectomy due Mm -hmm. to nodules and a cancer scare, but I didn't have the cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, So they removed half my thyroid, put me on Synthroid. It was my conventional OBGYN and the surgeon decided that was going to be it. This is, you know, 23 years ago. I didn't even know what functional medicine was. 15 years later, I'm at an outdoor fair and a new functional medicine doctor and her small staff at the time had a, had a table. And I was so okay. curious because I'd always been interested in, you know, organic foods and like the whole lifestyle. So I, she ended up being my doctor and has been my doctor for the last 17 years or no, yeah. not 17, but the many years and completely changed my medication, completely changed my life. I still have had ups and downs, but have so much better than it was back then. And I had the hair loss and I still had bouts of it recently, but yeah, you know, we find our way into functional medicine, sometimes, you know, not intentionally. Um, It could be an accident like it was for me, just being at this fair for you, you had a more intentional approach, but either way um, we need to find, we need to direct more women down that path so that they can live more optimal lives. Absolutely, I agree. So when we're talking about thyroid disease, there's different types that we both have hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. And so what are the other types? So we have in, in the hypothyroid realm, we also have Hashimoto's. Well, we have Hashimoto's. So right. if we take Hashimoto's, 95% of all hypothyroidism is Hashimoto's. And that is the autoimmune form of hypothyroidism. It's where your body is essentially attacking your own thyroid gland. 
that's really what we see in the majority of people. Even if they don't have positive antibodies, Hashimoto's can have false negative antibodies. So we have to take that 95 percentile and say, you know, most of the time it is a, an autoimmune condition. And then that other 5% of the time, it could be caused by radiation, chemotherapy, excessive dieting, um, extreme exercise. I mean, we can tank our own thyroid, but that's about only in about 5% of the population. Then on the other side of the spectrum, we have Graves' disease and hyperthyroidism. Graves is the autoimmune form of hyperthyroidism. And that, again, is where your body's attacking your own thyroid, but it's speeding things up. So hypo, think low and slow. Hyper is exactly what it sounds like. You're, you're amped up. Your body is producing, your, your thyroid is dumping thyroid hormone out and you feel hyper and jittery. And that's where you get the, the weight loss and the eye disease. But it's, that is very, very rare. I don't, see, I don't see a lot of graves or hyperthyroidism. And if I do, it's usually after the person has gone through treatment and mm. conventional medicine has plummeted them into hypo. Now they're coming to me saying, we, uh, I had my thyroid taken out and they're, I, I feel like garbage. I wish I was hyper again because now I'm, I'm gaining weight and I can't go to the bathroom and I'm depressed. And usually that comes back to how conventional medicine is treating them. But I see them after the fact. I see them once they go into hypo. Graves disease is a lot more rare. And do you see um, a difference between what that looks like for men and women? Women get hit harder because mm. we have fluctuating hormones. We have fluctuating hormones throughout an entire month. And if you're a woman, you're nodding your head, you're like, yeah, you're damn right I do, right? And we also have lower testosterone. And what a lot of women don't realize is that testosterone is actually protective against that autoimmune switch turning on. So mm -hmm. when we usually see Hashimoto's present itself after puberty, pregnancy, perimenopause, menopause, big stressors, we mm -hmm. tend to forget that pregnancy is a stress. You know, a lot of women go, oh, you know, it's just a natural thing. Yes, but it's a stressor on your body. So after those huge hormonal shifts, we'll see that little, that little Hashimoto switch flip to the on position. And then you'll hear a woman say, you know, it was after my second kid, or it was mm -hmm. after, you know, this particular event that it all went to hell in a handbasket. So that's one component is our fluctuating hormones. Like I mentioned earlier, lower testosterone, we have mm -hmm. lower testosterone than men. Right. And have that testosterone that actually protects them against the autoimmune. Now it's not full-blown protection. It doesn't mean that you're never going to get autoimmune if you're a man, but as women, we have to pay attention to that testosterone level because when that starts to drop down low and I mean, Jill, you and I have talked about this. It's, it's, it's testosterone is the forgotten hormone for women. We all think it's a yep. dude hormone. It is a very important female hormone. And if that drops down low, then you are more susceptible for autoimmune as well. Hmm. Tell everybody what you call testosterone. <laughs> testosterone <laughs> is the GSD hormone. It's your get shit done hormone. If you yeah. have low testosterone, you are not going to want to do anything. You're not going to want to go to the gym. You're not going to want to get up and have sex with your husband or your right. significant other. You're not going to want to clean the house. You're not going to want to take care of the kids. You're not going to want to run your business. You're just going to be like a ball of mush. Your energy is going to be in the tank and you don't want to do anything. Yeah, I have been there too. And you, you know, you have so many people have too many doctors in the kitchen, right? Like too many cooks in the kitchen, too many doctors there. Yep. And they get different opinions from the different lenses of the doctors they're going to where one wants to manage maybe the thyroid and one wants to manage the sex hormones or one might not be even looking at either. Right. So what so many clients come to me and they feel very dismissed by this conventional healthcare model. Yeah. And they're going in there and they're saying to the doctors, my hair is falling out. I'm not, I'm gaining weight and I'm watching every, I'm tracking every morsel of food I'm eating. I can't get it any more right for myself. Right. I'm trying to get my sleep. I'm going to, I'm dragging my ass to the gym because I'm exhausted. Yeah. I'm doing all the things. I'm trying to do all the things, but the doctor just says, you know, you're, you're getting older and this is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't. So what is the difference between how you treat a new patient versus that conventional healthcare model when it comes to thyroid and sex hormone health, since we're making that connection here. Right. 
Well, it, it all starts with the four important words that most people don't hear is how do you feel? So we mm. have to start with how someone feels and what their symptoms are. Now, labs do matter. So we're going to get to labs in a second, but you have to start with the person and how they're actually feeling and what their symptoms are. Because like I always say, your symptoms are a sign. It's, it's like your body waving a flag saying, hello, please pay attention to me here. I'm giving you a signal that there is something going on. So that's where we start. We realize that your body is not made to be fat, tired, and bald. So we have to dig a little bit more to find out what's causing that. Then we go to the labs. So number one, testing thoroughly. Just this past week, I have three people that reached out to me that actually screenshotted their message they received from their doctor after asking for testing. That's all. They're not asking for an illegal drug. They're not asking for an overdose of something. They're asking for testing so that they can get, they and their practitioner can get that full picture of what's going on with them and find the reason why they're having symptoms. And these responses from multiple different people in different states, not the same doctor, were all dismissive. I'm sorry, I don't do that. Uh, you'll have to go find a specialist in order to order those tests. And they weren't wonky tests. They were basic tests that I look at on a day-to-day basis. Is it a matter of health insurance not wanting to cover it? Or is it more the doctor wasn't trained in this root cause you know, model and they wouldn't even know what to do with those numbers if they saw them? Number two. Mm. It's that one. Uh, because if we if we if we look at the insurance piece then tell the patient that, you know, say, you know what, Jill, I'm sorry. If, if I order this test, you're going to get a thousand dollar bill and let that patient decide whether right. or not they want to pay that thousand dollar bill. And it's not going to be that much, right. but there are other options where, okay, if a patient, if, if, if they can't get that lab covered, they can order it themselves so they can piece the puzzle together. But it really comes down to number two. They weren't trained. They don't have the time. When you go into your conventional medicine, I don't care if it's an endocrinologist, dermatologist, OBGYN, your PCP, you have a seven-minute visit on the books. That is all your insurance company will pay for. If they spend 10 minutes with you, they're going over time. And they have somebody else waiting because they are double and triple booked. My sister's a doctor. I hear this all the time. She's a geriatric doctor. She's been doing it for years. She's one of the best in the country, and they still overbook her. So she doesn't have enough time to spend with each patient that she needs to. That's kind of the model that we're seeing in, in medicine today is if you think that you're going to go into a doctor's appointment and get all of your answers laid out in seven minutes, they don't have time to look at those labs. That, that would take a lot of time to really sit down and piece that puzzle together and say, okay, well, this one over here is low and this one, and then we tested this and we need to do this. I spend 90 minutes the very first time I meet with someone. Insurance doesn't cover that. And I think that's really the, the root of cause of our problems in healthcare right now, sick care. Yeah. But to come back and answer your question, that's the big difference between functional medicine and conventional is that we do spend the time with you and we do piece it together. And we know what we're doing because another beef that I do have to bring up, there are functional quote unquote, integrative, functional, alternative, naturopathic Mm -hmm. practitioners out there they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're treating the same way as conventional. So you really have to do your research to work with someone who does know that full picture, who does know thyroid and hormones because they do play together. And you have to have somebody knowledgeable to piece that, that, that picture together for you. Absolutely. One of the things I do in my coaching um, business is with every one of my clients, I give them a comprehensive lab list. Yeah. And I, because if they have to stay in that conventional model, because they need the health insurance to cover it, Mm -hmm. I help educate them on preparing for that conversation with their doctor. Yeah. And I also give them the red, the, the heads up. You might need a different doctor within your network, but you might need somebody else. And if they're willing, I always do bring up functional medicine, obviously, because I'm a functional medicine health coach. Um, but that's not always attainable for everybody because it mostly is cash pay. Um, but absolutely, I explained to them when you go and get your regular labs done with your conventional medicine doctor, it is like reading five chapters of a 17 chapter book. You are not getting the full story. And so how can you possibly get better when you only have a partial part of the story? Right, exactly. And if they won't order the labs to get the full picture 
on you, how are they going to treat you? How are you going to get better if they don't even want to know the core answers? So my rule of thumb is if your doctor says no to testing, it's time to get a new doctor. And even if you have to stay in the, in the insurance-based system, that's fine, but keep going. What if I would have stopped doctor number four who said that I was normal? What if I would have stopped doctor number five or six? I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't even be with you today because I still would be stuck in that. I must be normal. It must just be all in my head. It's, it really is medical gaslighting yeah. because many people think that they're crazy. Like, well, I know I feel bad. I know I'm gaining weight. I know I'm depressed, but people keep telling me that I'm normal. Must right. be in my head. Yep. Well, let's talk about lab values, the normal versus optimal. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about that with a thyroid panel. And then if maybe we can move into the, even the sex hormones. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just start with all labs. All labs have that standard lab value range that is wide and vast. So I like to credit Mark Hyman for this. He said, he used the analogy of a barn door. The standard lab value range is like a big side of a barn. If I step you back 50 yards, I give you a ball. I say, hit that side of the barn. You're going to throw it and you're going to hit it. Chances are you're going to hit it. If I put a bullseye on the side of a barn and I step you back the same amount and I give you a ball and I tell you to hit it, you might, you might not. But Mm -hmm. that bullseye is where it's optimal, just as you know, Jill, because you're functional. So we, we want you to be optimal. The standard lab value range of any test is taken from a very sick population. They don't weed out and they, they don't say, give me your best, give me the fittest, the most, the, the most healthy the people that are 55, 60 years old, and they're like rock stars. They look like they're 20. Give me them to test because that's where the range should be. That's what they should be doing, but they don't. Right, right. We test a huge population. We go, well, here's the labs. So that's, here's the standard lab value range. So here, that's problem number one. Problem number two is if I could go back and look at the labs that they tested on me, I, I would bet money they tested TSH alone, thyroid stimulating hormone. That is your standard lab test for thyroid. And quite frankly, I don't even like to test that half the time because right. it's going to throw people off. So TSH is the start. And then maybe if you're lucky, you'll get free T4, which still does not tell us anything. I get so many questions from people. Well, my TSH is normal. Oh yeah. My doctor tested my free T4. I go, that doesn't tell me anything. Zero. It literally tells me nothing. Unless you get the free T3, which is your active thyroid hormone. If you get the reverse T3, which is the anti-thyroid hormone, it's your survival mode hormone. And if, if you don't test your TPO and your TGA antibodies, then you know nothing. You know absolutely nothing about your thyroid. You need each and every one of those tests. And there are, you could get the total T3 and the total T4 and the T3 uptake. Those are kind of bonuses. But free T3, reverse T3, TPO, and TGA antibodies, those are your core. They're still basic. I'm going to use the term basic. They are basic panels that give us so much information about you and the health of your thyroid. So that's part one with thyroid. And then as we move into the sex hormones, oh my goodness. So let's go back to GSD, testosterone. <laughs> the GSD hormone, that, that's the big one that always stands out to me because Males and females alike both get the shaft when it comes to testosterone and Mm -hmm. the standard lab value range. We'll take females. It goes, if you ever look at that standard lab value range of testosterone, most labs start at like a two. So I have had, I have two people that are tied for the lowest three. They're coming in at a three for testosterone. And they're being told by their doctor that it's fine. It's normal. You're totally, it's totally normal number because it's within the standard lab value. Exactly. drives me crazy. Do you know that optimal is like 50 or above and you're being told that you're normal at a three, like that's just a shame. So that's, that's the perfect example because it's a big, it's a big range that we can look at. That's the perfect example of how standard lab value ranges fail us. When talking about testosterone, do you find, do you look at free testosterone as being the more important number than total? Cause right now you're talking about total testosterone. I actually like total better. We, I mean, I drop down and look at the free, but let's face it. If you're coming in with a test level of a three, I don't really care what your free testosterone is. You're not going right. to have enough of it. Right. You know, it's like, that's the free unbound of virtually nothing. 
So you have to have the total there in order for the free to be worth a grain of salt. Very true. Right. And then go back again and tell us the connection between how testosterone, optimal testosterone supports an optimal thyroid. So testosterone level, it's actually been shown in studies that testosterone is protective against autoimmune. So Mm, when those test levels drop, and that's why men have less autoimmune, testosterone has a, has an immune protective component. I mean, that's sometimes why I know I'm getting into like a whole different area, but if you look at athletes, um, if you look at bodybuilders, if you look at the general population post-surgery or post-injury, we will use testosterone to promote healing. Yeah, if, it, if, it, if an athlete, say, pulls the tendon and needs to heal or strains the muscle, you give that guy a little bit more testosterone, he's going to heal a lot faster. Now, of course, we're doing other things to support healing, but that is one key component of healing. So it's very, very supportive to the immune system. And when testosterone levels drop, there's that Hashimoto switch turning on again. Because I find it really interesting that hypothyroidism and low T separately overlap in symptoms, mm-hmm. right? You have right. the fatigue. You don't want to get any shit done. Yep. You know, weight gain. Weight gain. Yeah. Right. So it's, so that alone tells you there is a connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I have a, a, I always say it's a triple whammy to metabolism. So when we're talking about weight, there is, there are three main components to weight. Your thyroid is at the top. That's the master gland because your thyroid has an effect on the other two components. Your thyroid is the master. So unless you optimize that, it doesn't matter what you do down here to try to lose weight. You can perfect your diet. You can work out all the time. You could even take testosterone. It doesn't matter because that thyroid gland is off. So that's the master. And then down from there, we have insulin. We have testosterone. If you have hypothyroidism, insulin resistance, and low testosterone, my goodness, you better hunker down because we need to do a lot to get your metabolism up. It's literally in the ashes. You have none. You have zero metabolism. When we focus on all those components, when we optimize your thyroid first, that's going to have an effect on your insulin. That's going to have an effect on testosterone. And then my theory of both and, we do both thyroid and insulin and hormones when we optimize everything at the same time, then you get rewarded for your efforts. Then when you are busting your ass at the gym or you're preparing your meals and you're eating well, you get rewarded for that effort because the biology component is in alignment. Yeah, yeah, makes perfect sense. I wanna talk about that connection between the thyroid and insulin resistance, but I wanna just finish up with, the differences between conventional medicine and functional medicine in the treatment of thyroid disorders in terms of medication. Yeah. Yeah. So like my experience, conventional medicine will give you 99% of the time because that's what they learned in med school T4. They learn that you you give some Levo, you give some Synthroid, that person's fine. That's all you need to do. If we, if we actually dig in and look at biology, your healthy thyroid gland produces two hormones, T4 and T3. T4 is completely inactive. So that's something to to remember when we're talking about treatment is T4 is inactive. Now we do convert some T4 over to the active thyroid hormone T3. We do, most people do. Some people have conversion issues. Some people don't convert at all like myself, but most of us do convert that over. But that's a huge assumption to give someone T4 only and say, ah, you'll be fine, you'll convert. Because that T4 to T3 conversion, T3 is active. Every cell in your body has a receptor site on it for T3. There is not one single cell in your body with a receptor site on it for T4, not one. So T4 has to do that conversion. And I always say that T4 to T3 conversion is like running five Tough mutters. You know, it, it's, you're, you're, there's so many hurdles in the way you have to not be anemic. You have to have great estrogen levels. You can't be insulin resistant. Your micronutrients better be on par. All of these things can get in the way and interfere with that conversion. So conventional medicine throws one pill and then calls it a day. Good luck. <laughs> See you later. 
And functional goes, let's figure this out. Let's give you, this is my approach. I say, let's give you the medication that's going to work for you and get those numbers up into the optimal range. But let's also figure out, oh, you have high reverse T3. Let's figure out why. Oh, look over here, you're insulin resistant. Let's really work on that. Oh, look, you're anemic too. Let's work on that. Oh, you're estrogen dominant. Let's work on that. And when we work on those underlying causes, then all of a sudden conversion improves. Maybe we can reduce medication. Maybe we adjust medication, but it's the all-encompassing approach. It's not a you throw the med and wave goodbye. It's really following the person and, and asking them over and over again, how do you feel? Okay, let's adjust that. How do you feel? Right, right. Adjust that. Right. And yeah, just really looking at the person as a whole. Right. And one of the other things I do um, try to educate my clients on is the fact that when you start working with a new functional medicine doctor, especially, you got to give them a year. This is not a quick fix approach. Nobody knows exactly what medicine is going to work for you or the combination or the ratio. And you've right. got to give them a year because you're, it's going to require more testing, more blood testing. Mm -hmm. throughout that, especially throughout that first year. And mm -hmm. then when you go through menopause, things, every year, things might change. So you have oh, yeah. to, you know, so I have women that come to me and they haven't had annual blood done in like, you know, three to five years. Right. And they're wondering why they just don't feel good. Right. Right. Or when they ask you like, Hey, I, I had labs done like nine months ago. Can we use those? I go, no, cause you're a totally different person than the one you were nine months ago. Exactly. Completely different. Exactly. So there's Synthroid, Cinnamel, there's Desiccated, there's mm -hmm. like the Armor, the NPs. What is the proper way to take this medication? Um, by being guided. So I always, I always get the question, what's your favorite thyroid medication? And I say, the one that's going to work for you. And whatever dose is going to work for you or combination that's going to work for you. It's all about finding that unique medication combination and dose for each person. So but what about, what about in terms of when to take it, how long to wait? And are there other, um, interferences with other supplements yes. or drugs? Yes, yes, yes. Um, sorry. Thank you for clarifying. So yes, must be taken on an empty stomach one hour, no food, no coffee. And then beyond that, we have to say, okay, your supplements have to be an hour away from thyroid medication. Unless you're taking iron or something with calcium in it, that has to be four hours away because mm -hmm. that will bind your thyroid medication and render it inactive, or you will get a reduction in absorption. So that's why we don't want food on your stomach either. We want that thyroid medication to be absorbed. Now, some people will say, well, I heard T3, you can take it with food. Yeah. If you don't want all of it absorbed, go ahead and take it with food. If you're trying to get optimized, do everything you possibly can to get optimized. Make sure that all of that thyroid medication is being absorbed. So no food, no coffee. And the other key component is split dosing. I have talked to many people and just that simple act of taking half of it, in, half of your dose in the morning upon waking and half in the afternoon between like one and 3 p.m. in the afternoon so it doesn't interfere with your sleep split dosing, people will come back and be like, oh my gosh, you didn't even change my dose. I just split dose and I feel better. That's because wow. we want to keep that T3, assuming you're not on T4 only because that's pointless. Right. We want to keep that T3, whether it's in the form of cytomel or lyothyronine or NDT armor, we want to keep that in your system. And T3 is very, very fast acting. It's in and out of your system very quickly. It peaks at four hours and then comes down the other side. So if you take it twice in a day, you're keeping your metabolism up. You're giving your body that active thyroid hormone that it wants. And it's throughout the day. It doesn't have to be exactly 12 hours because like I said, it could interfere with sleep. But if you just split dose, that alone can make such hmm. a huge difference in how you feel. Oh, that's interesting. Can people ever come off their beds completely? You know, sometimes I go on the internet and I'll search these things and people come and ask me. And um there's, you know, you'll find all these different types of healers out there who say they can heal your thyroid naturally through diet or intermittent fasting, you know, whatever it is, and you don't need to take any meds. What are your thoughts on that? It's, it's very unique. It's very individualized. If you're catching someone in the very beginning stages where they don't have a ton of symptoms, they maybe just found out they were just diagnosed and it came as a surprise to them. 
Like, oh my gosh, my doctor told me I had Hashimoto's. I didn't know that. I'm, I'm not gaining weight. I don't feel bad. Well, at that stage, we can most likely catch it early and do all of the interventions that we possibly can. The gluten-free, the nutrients, making sure all those levels are, are sustained and optimized. But if someone is further down the path, they've been dealing with this for 10 years, they've been suffering for 15, 20 years, they haven't been on the right thyroid hormone replacement, then you probably, I mean, once I get you optimized, I always say you'd have to pry my thyroid medication out of my dead cold hands. Yeah, for I sure. have no desire to go off of it because it gives me life. It, it lets me be in optimization land. It lets me enjoy. So if it means taking a couple of pills every day, I'm going to do that. But it, that's a very individualized choice. Some people choose to come off their medication because that's a, a, a block in their mind. They don't want to be on medication. I try to shift their perspective when it comes to thyroid and hormones, yes. They're replacing hormones that are no longer being made by our body. Right. Don't put it in the same category as a statin. Right. It's just not, but if that's right. your choice, we can certainly do it, but it's, it's probably going to be a long road. And the reason you're feeling better is because you're following the protocol that's supporting you to feel better. Why would you want to change that? That's yeah. my thought. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about the connection between the thyroid and insulin resistance, because I find this fascinating. I myself have always been very lean and, you know, heavy on the weights, very mm -hmm. active, yet I still feel, I, and I can see it in my numbers, that insulin resistance just lingering. So, you know, there's things you can take to combat that and help support that. Yes. But what, what is that connection? What is going on? It's, it's the thyroid. I, I see in about 90, I would say nine, but I'll even back off. I'll go 95% of my patients with hypothyroidism have insulin resistance because the thyroid is the master gland and it, it is signal. It's controlling the signal. So your insulin signaling can be off. And that's where you start to kind of drift into type two diabetes. Maybe a person has uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome as well. Mm -hmm. And there's the insulin resistance component to that, but whatever you want to label it down here, insulin resistance, PCOS, pre-diabetes, it's the thyroid gland controlling that signaling. So when that signaling is off, we have more insulin in our body than what we should level wise, and then insulin resistance. I like to use the analogy, think about closed doors. So if you think of each and every cell in your body, having an open door for insulin, because we need insulin, we don't want to demonize insulin. Insulin is needed for survival. That's why if you're a type one diabetic, you have to take insulin or you will die because it is needed right. for survival. So insulin isn't bad, but it's, I call it the Jekyll and Hyde hormone because we need it for life but in excess, or if it can't get into the cell because the door is closed, insulin resistance, your cell is resistant to the insulin trying to get in. Mm -hmm. And you have excess insulin in your body. This is very, like, very um, simplified. But that excess insulin, it acts as it is the fat storage hormone. Right. Insulin is the fat storage hormone. So when there's more of it than what we need, you're storing fat left and right. So it's, again, it's, it's compounding the symptoms you already have of hypothyroidism. Now you have insulin resistance too. So now you have the, that's the double whammy to your metabolism. And then the triple whammy is low T with that. So if you're, if you get your thyroid optimized, right? Like on Boston heart labs and you're in the green, right? Can you still have the insulin resistance? Yes. Yes, you can. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Because Listen, if we look at the world that we're living in, oh my goodness, right? So we have a, just a toxic soup of a world that we're living in. We mm -hmm. tend to forget about the importance of the liver. The liver processes toxins. Well, fatty liver is tied to elevated insulin levels. Elevated insulin level, we were calling Alzheimer's type three diabetes because of elevated insulin. So it has, you know, my mom had Alzheimer's. She did not have a thyroid problem but she lived on diet pop and ice cream and bread. I guarantee you her insulin was through the roof. Now she yeah. passed long a few years ago and it was, you know, with Alzheimer's, it's like a seven year journey along there. So by the time I knew what I know, there was nothing to do, but that's why I give the message now. Listen, if you keep your insulin levels low, that's anti-aging. 
that is protecting you against neurological diseases of aging. That's protecting you against cancer. That's another layer of protection. So yet you can absolutely have insulin resistance just through your own choices, not sleeping. If you get three nights of bad sleep, you can be insulin resistant, just like that. So there are lifestyle components to insulin resistance as well. Absolutely. So what are some of the protocols you follow for your clients who are struggling with insulin resistance? I've heard you on your podcast talk a lot about berberine and inositol. I actually take both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So t- tell us a little bit about those and how, why they help. Love berberine. Yeah. Love berberine. Um, so love it so much. I made a supplement out of it. So I have a, a published paper out that I did with a colleague of mine. It was on one of my patients and this particular patient came to me. He was full-blown insulin dependent diabetic, checked himself into the hospital, blood sugar over 600, all of the, the symptoms of high blood sugar. He knew, he knew what he was looking at. So he gets out of the hospital. He calls me and I don't know him. This total stranger. He's like, listen, I was just diagnosed insulin dependent diabetic. I refuse to be on insulin the rest of my life. We have to do something like, okay, let's do this, but you know, be patient. This might take a little while. Right. I was amazed it, we implemented a low carb diet along with berberine in six weeks. He, he was off insulin. So his A1C for those of you who know, A1C numbers, I'll throw them out there to you. 13.9 to 8.4. Then (laughs) crazy in six weeks, in six weeks. In six months, he reversed this diabetes going from 13.9 to 5.4 for his A1C. Wow. Lost 150 pounds. Amazing. Amazing. And that's just, that's one of many studies out there. I'm telling you that from anecdotal evidence as well as a published paper. But if you, I, I challenge people, go ahead and go into PubMed, go into Google Scholar, type in berberine and Berberine and weight loss, berberine and insulin resistance and diabetes and dot, dot, dot. And you will find a slew of published articles on, on the benefits of berberine. So what is berberine doing? It's working like metformin mm. at, at opening the doors. You're opening your cell doors for the insulin to get in. Now, in, there's no way to really measure this component, but we, do, we know with type 2 diabetics that the pancreas is overproducing insulin mm-hmm. because that's, eventually why, that's why eventually they might be on insulin. It's because eventually the pancreas just craps the bed and says, enough's enough. I'm not going to keep pumping out all this insulin. Right. I'm just not going to do it at all. So we hope to catch it before you get to that point. So some people, they can overproduce insulin from the pancreas and others, they're producing the right amount, but it's not getting into the cell. So berberine comes in and helps to suppress the release of insulin at the pancreas level and then open Mm. the doors up at the cell level. And then what about inositol? How is that working to help insulin resistance? Inositol, I I recommend because of the literature on it, but I I actually don't know the direct mechanism of action. Mm. I I believe that it just layers upon berberine to help and to stabilize blood sugars. I'm not as much of a fan of inositol as I am of berberine. I will always start with berberine. And then if someone is really not responding or their insulin hasn't gone down that much when we recheck, then I'll layer inositol on top of that. Got it. So what is the relationship between gut health and thyroid disorders? Because isn't some of the T4 conversion to T3, free T3 made in the gut? In the gut. Yep. So we have it at the peripheral tissues. We have it in the thyroid gland, gut, liver, that conversion will take place in all of those different areas, organs. Our immunity starts in the gut. We know that. Right. If your gut is a, I'll just use the term disaster. And that encompassing is IBS, Crohn's disease, uh, parasites, SIBO, H. pylori, whatever it is related to your gut. And we all have leaky gut. So you can use that term too. Let's say you have leaky gut. Then what we'll see is number one, conversion issues occur. Number two, I'll see a lot of sensitivity with gut issues. These are the people that are like, yeah, I took five micrograms of T3 and man, I'm just, I can't take it. I'm crawling out of my skin. I'm jittery. I'm like, what? I'm on 150 micrograms. So if you're that sensitive, that's your gut. That is your gut or your adrenals because nobody should be that sensitive. Five micrograms is enough for my dog. 
you know, let alone it's, it's, it's barely anything. So if you're that sensitive, that's kind of an indication that something's up with your gut. And, and then we just see the, the overall symptoms of a hypothyroid person exacerbated with gut issues. So there's the gut brain connection. So we know with hypothyroidism, there is depression and anxiety that accompanies it because you have more T3 receptor sites on your brain than any other organ. So of course you're going to be depressed. You're going to be anxious. You're just not going to feel right. You're not going to sleep well. So with the gut brain connection, here we have another layer. We're talking, I was talking about layers here. Now we have another layer to your mood because if your gut's a disaster and then you layer on top of that hypothyroidism, you're not being treated properly. You're not on the right kind of medication, the right dose of medication. Your T3 is low. Now you're even more anxious and more depressed. So there's so much connection between the gut and the thyroid. And so what do you usually, what's your protocol when you know there is a compromised um, gut that you're working with, with a client or a patient? I may go a little bit differently than most, the most conventional or most uh, functional practitioners. So number one, we know with Hashimoto's, there's low betaine HCL, hydrochloric yeah. acid. I'll start really simple. I know I, and I know a lot of people like to jump to the GI map and the GI map is the Mac daddy be all end all of gut tests. I love it, but I'm frugal with myself and my patients. So I say, let's start with the basics. Let's start with the digestive enzymes, right? They're cheap. They're effective. Boom. Get a good brain. And then let's start actually optimizing your thyroid because that can do so much. Oh, you're constipated. Well, no kidding. You don't have enough T3. Uh, Let's add in some magnesium too, because you need that for T4 to T3 conversion. I'm going to work that first. And then if someone isn't responding, then we go deeper. Now it's time to pull out the big guns. Let's do the GI map. Let's see if you have H. pylori. Let's see if you have candida. I've seen C. diff on. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this too, Jill. I've seen everything. I, 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 I had a patient a couple of weeks ago, actually, that came to me literally like, I can't eat anything. I'm doing this low FODMAP diet and there's nothing I can eat. There's nothing I can eat. And I go, I don't know that you necessarily have to do this low FODMAP diet. Let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's check this. We did the GI map. Oh, you have celiac disease. It's not the FODMAPs. It's the gluten. And then he started, he started just eliminating that. And it's like, thank you so much. You saved my marriage. Now we can eat these foods again. I just have to eliminate gluten, which isn't as bad as eliminating everything else. Right. So yeah, it, it can tell us so much, but I like to start slow and work my way up. Oh my God. You just made me chuckle inside when you said that he thanked you for saving his marriage because I mean, I'm divorced, right? <laughs> Can I blame my thyroid for it? I don't know, maybe a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, no, listen, but, it's, yeah. Right, when we're not feeling good, when we're, when there's some, we're, there's layers of issues going on in our biochemistry, you know, it's, it's our mood, it's our motivation, it's, it's the way we interact with the world around us, it's everything, right? Um, so while we're on the gut health um topic and talking about diet, I turned to the carnivore diet three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I absolutely loved it. I've been on my thyroid meds for, like I said, 23 years. Mm-hmm. And I went on the carnivore diet as an experiment for 30 days and I haven't come off it. And it's been three years. And I, my lab values, even without anything else changing, my lab values looked so much better. So my functional medicine doctor at the time was not really on board with the carnivore diet, but she said, all right, I'll give you time until you get tested again. She said, wow, everything's looking really good for you right now. You know, just continue doing. What is it about that carnivore or an animal-based approach to eating that's so healing for our thyroid and our sex hormones? Yeah. First of all, I give you mad props. I absolutely love the carnivore diet. I just have not implemented it for 30 days. I would like to, but I I really love, like, I know you can have dark chocolate on it. I need to have Paul Saladino on my podcast too, just to pick (laughs) his brain a little bit more because I really do want to do it. I really do want to try it just like you. I have had patients come to me on the carnivore diet who already have testimonials. Like, yeah, there's some things that we have to work on like thyroid and hormones, but 
they already can tell me, listen, once I went on this carnivore diet, my, my inflammation went down, my joints felt better. My hair started growing, my energy went up. Now we just have this little thing over here. Like, okay, well, that's easy because you got the eating part down pat. Um, first of all, we have to start with, and, and I'm sure you see this too, Jill, so many people, I will use the term people, but women are the most notorious for this low protein. They come in there. hundred percent. Oh my gosh. They're like, well, I have no energy. I can't lose weight and my hair is falling out. I'm like, well, you're eating about enough protein for your heart to beat every day, but certainly not enough amino acids getting to your hair, not going to your muscles. In fact, your body's probably catabolizing your muscle tissue to get the amino acids that it needs to stay alive. Yep. So protein is so vital. And when you do the carnivore diet, you are eating protein. Hello. And it's the best source. It is the best source is complete protein. It's amino acids. It's those beautiful amino acids that run our bodies without it. We can't heal. We can't perform. We can't live. So that's what I, I absolutely love the carnivore diet. And if you can't do carnivore, just Keto. Keto is awesome too. I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan because keto and carnivore are very much related. And, you know, even if you can do like ketovore, you know, I mean, just do more meat to get that protein level up. And then, yeah, still have your dark chocolate and sure. Go ahead and make your almond flour pancakes for a little treat. That's fine. You know, some nice grass fed cheese, but I I love it. I absolutely love it. It's just the the scientific evidence is going to lower your insulin again, coming back yep. to anti-aging, right? Your insulin levels are going to be in check, lowered inflammation, like crazy autoimmune diseases put into remission or reversed. You just have to have the knowledge and, and someone to guide you. Right. And they're done that in order to do it the right way. I love it so much that I actually became a certified carnivore coach. So I work with, yeah, I work with a lot of women, mostly women, um, but some men too. And they're always very curious about either they come to me and want to know they want to start the carnivore diet or in conversations when we're talking about protein, you know, I do this thing with my clients. The the first session is always 90 minutes and it's a deep dive into, into their health history. And when we, I have them run me through a day in the life of their nutrition from waking to sleeping. Yeah. And when I add up the protein, there are some times where it's 40 grams of protein per day. I eat that per meal, if not more. Yep. And their hair is falling out and they're wondering, I'm eating healthy. I've got all my veggies. I'm making my smoothie smoothie with my 32 different ingredients, except the protein powder, right? Yep. They've got the chia, the, the hemp, all that stuff, but they're, they're sluggish. They have mm-hmm. no libido, their hair is falling out, their skin is dry, their hair is brittle and breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so protein is probably one of the, is the most important macronutrient. And behind that is your healthy fats. Carbohydrates are not essential to life. We do not need them to live. They're fun, right? They're, they're, yeah. They can be the life of the party and add the crunch, the color, the flavor and textures, but we don't need them to survive. And your body is smart and your body's going to say, well, if you're not going to give me enough protein, I'm going to have to start shutting things down. Yep. But they, and you don't need hair to live. Yep. Exactly. Here's, a, here's a benefit to being healthy. Oh my gosh. We sound so much alike. It's scary. Yeah. Well, you're definitely coming on my podcast to talk about carnivore because I am by no means an expert. Oh, I would love that. Certified, so yeah, we're doing this. Yeah. Okay, great. So we're on hair. Let's talk about hair because I work with, of my female clients come to me with hair loss because I reversed my hair loss about eight months ago. I created a new protocol for myself. I wasn't getting any any movement with hair growth with my, even with my functional medicine doctor. Mm -hmm. And so I took matters into my own hands and I did, um, I started taking the, doing the micronutrient test to see, okay, I've got the carnivore diet down pat. I've got the lifestyle down. Right. What else is missing here? And so one of the things interesting about the carnivore diet is just because you're eating a very nutrient dense diet, it doesn't mean that you're absorbing, digesting and absorbing all of those nutrients on a cellular level. You got to look, I'm sure you use this term test. Don't guess, right? Don't just take us. How many people have you heard tell you they're taking supplements because they heard it on a podcast, read it in an article or went into a Facebook forum. And it worked for, you know, Mary Jo. So it's going to work for me. 
all the time. Yeah. All the time. It's dangerous. It is. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to hair and I'd love to hear your take on it too, but my, where I go first is number one, thyroid yeah. estrogen. Estrogen is, we, we tend to forget it because we villainize estrogen as well, but estrogen makes your hair shaft thick and plump and healthy. Then of course we want testosterone, but not too much. We want to make sure that testosterone isn't converting to DHT, dihydrotestosterone. That's where you'll see the, the male pattern baldness, even in females. So it'll be like back of head or along the hairline. Mm-hmm. And then we go zinc, ferritin. Ferritin is vital. Ferritin is vital for your hair as well as independently for T4 to T3 conversion. So low ferritin, unacceptable zinc levels, Uh, and then I will see along the lines of people taking supplements, people will pop selenium, like it's going out of style to push their selenium too high. That pushes reverse T3 high. So just like you said, that's why I said, it sounds so much alike. Your body is so smart. If it is in survival mode with an elevated reverse T3, you're not going to grow hair, burn fat, or feel good because you're trying to survive. Your body's trying to survive. So too much selenium. I'll see that as well. Iodine. I'm pro iodine. I know that's split in the functional community, 50, 50. So I think that's a key component for hair as well. And then the protein. Yep. Yep. And the other thing I do is, um, besides the micronutrient test, um, and then that's how I personalize my supplementation and my dosing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's a fascinating topic, but I also do genetic testing, the, the Trico test for hair loss, because I want to see what is going to work for me and what isn't going to work for me when it comes to, if you want to use a topical, right? Like if you're, if you're in menopause and you're not going to be in family planning anymore, you know, you can turn to topicals Mm -hmm. and, and use those the lifelong, you can't stop once you start. Right. So it's a lifestyle for sure. Um, but you might want that boost. I mean, there are some women out there with severe hair loss and they don't feel good about themselves, right? right? It affects Mm -hmm. our, our self-confidence. Um, but the other thing I added in was red light therapy. Yes. Definitely. Oh, love, love it. Love my red light therapy cap. Mm -hmm. And I also have a red light therapy box I use in my body and I feel so much better. And I was wondering, have you seen in all of your research and studies, any correlation between red light therapy and thyroid disease? Yes. The studies are out there. And actually the studies continue to amaze me because I have a box and I have an individual light that's usually in my office. And you know, I, I shine this light on me and I keep thinking, really, does this really work? And then I'll go to the studies and I'm like, damn, there are a lot of studies on this. A lot. Oh my goodness. It's impressive. So yes, I have seen a few on the thyroid too. And it's just about taking down inflammation and just helping your body work how it should. It's that innate intelligence in our body that we're, that we're turning on when we take down inflammation and when we help our cells function properly. Yep. Yeah. That's what I've seen with the red light. Now, again, it's not going to replace thyroid medication. Please no, don't, you can sit in front of a red not. light. <laughs> right. 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 But it does help. It's, it's part of that whole uh, lifestyle component that where it all works together. Right. It helps our mitochondria yes. function. It, it, and you're only really as healthy as your cells are, true. right? Yep. I mean, if, they're, if, if your cells aren't functioning in an optimal, in an optimal range, nothing's going to be functioning in an optimal range. Correct. Right. Absolutely. Um, Alcohol. So we're out of the pandemic. Right. But a lot of women, especially turn to a lot of wine. (laughs) And I would like you to talk about the effects of drinking alcohol on when you have a thyroid disorder. Mm -hmm. So first of all, really simple. We have proteins, we have carbs, we have fats then we have alcohol. Alcohol does not fit into any of those categories. Yeah, it has sugar. Okay. Could be a carb, but it has no nutrient value whatsoever. Okay. If you're drinking red wine, there's some resveratrol in it, maybe, (laughs) but it is basically a fourth macronutrient that your body doesn't like. It's a toxin. So when we drink alcohol, your body says, because it's smart, it's like Jill and I talked about your body's smart. It says, listen, We got this thing coming in. It's not good. It's like a toxin poison. All right. So what we got to do is we got to get rid of this. We have to metabolize the alcohol. 
in order to properly do that, we are going to shut down all other functions. So, oh, that chips and salsa that you're eating with the alcohol, screw that. It's going in the fat storage. Yep. That big meal, that steak that you're having with that nice glass of wine, that's going into fat storage too. Yep. So anything that you eat is being stored as fat because your body doesn't have the time to deal with it. It doesn't have the time to deal with proteins, carbs, and fats. Then we know it also shuts down the fat burning process, but we don't know for how long. So I'm sure you have clients like this too. I'll have the ladies like, I need my glass of wine every night. Absolutely. That's the only way I calm down and sleep. Okay, well, number one, it's messing up with your sleep. I'll get to that in one second. Number two, you are stomping your fat burning process. So you're trying to lose weight, but you're drinking every night. It's not going to happen. I would rather you drink five glasses of wine one night a week, preferably like once a month or every other week than one glass of wine five nights a week. Do it up, get shit-faced, I don't care. But <laughs> take a break during the week, for goodness sake. Like let your body chill out, like your river, liver reset too. And then we have the, the whole inflammatory component of it too. So yes, your body's stopping the fat burning process, but it's also very inflammatory. It's another toxin. So you're putting a burden on your body, you're yeah. creating inflammation, and any kind of inflammation is going to shut down your proper thyroid functioning. If you still have a thyroid gland and we're still working with that and doing thyroid hormone replacement therapy, we don't want inflammation coming in the picture. Right. Yeah. That's one lifestyle habit that is very hard for my clients to give up. But if I can get them to give it up for a 30 day right. commitment and they feel good, Right. It clicks. There's like this light bulb moment, like, oh, I really, I'm starting to feel good. The, 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 my weight is coming off. I actually don't have that joint pain anymore, you know? Yep. So it's, it's just making that commitment to yourself to allow for that time to just get on the other side of that equation and start feeling good. And, and then I, you, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. I was gonna say, I have, I have two people that wear an aura ring, two different patients that were, wore an aura ring, wear one. And they said when they drink even one glass, zero deep sleep, none, yeah. none. Yeah, yeah none I wear the, the whoop app and this holds me accountable to my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. absolutely. absolutely. Um, we're at an hour. Do you still have time for a couple of questions? A couple more? I have a patient in a couple of minutes, but yeah, let's finish up with a couple of questions and then. Okay. Okay. Let's just go over intermittent fasting real quick. Cause that's a yes. big topic for a lot of women. You know, what is the optimal intermittent fasting equation when you are on thyroid meds? I don't like women to go over 16 hours. I mean, if you want to throw in, because listen, we, we know the research, we know that if you do a once a year, five to seven day water fast that reduces your risk of cancer significantly. We know yeah. that. So if you want to throw that in once a year for longevity sake, for prevention sake, absolutely. Yeah. But on the day to day, I, I preach intuitive fasting when, if you wake up in the morning, cause you're a woman and your hormones are always going to fluctuate. Yep. And you know, these days where you wake up and you go, it is 7am and I am starving. Don't fast that day. That's your body giving you a signal that you're hungry in the morning. Then you'll have the other days where you're like, nah, I could go till two. So yep. till two, do, practice intermittent fasting that day. But don't put the pressure on yourself because I think the pressure to intermittent fast because you think that's going to be the key. It is fantastic. It has a ton of health benefits. We know it, we know it, we know it. But if you pressure yourself to do it, then that's not going to work for your body. I agree. If you wake up, if you wake up hungry and you don't eat, you're more likely to set yourself up for failure that day because mm -hmm. you are going to get hangry and then you have zero control. Absolutely. What are, what are three things listeners can do today to support their thyroid health? Mm, okay. So uh, number one, you have to get tested, get the thorough testing, get all the testing. So you even know what your thyroid health is. Knowledge is power. So you have to have that baseline knowledge, get that, those baseline numbers. And then number two, obviously going gluten-free, that could be a podcast in and of itself of how gluten is a molecular mimicker. So it looks like your thyroid gland. And if you have autoimmune, if you have Hashimoto's, your body will go and attack that gluten because it thinks it's an invader. And then it'll move over and attack your thyroid gland too. So right. your thyroid gland gets beat up when you eat gluten. You are creating this inflammatory cascade that spurs on autoimmune. So gluten-free, so simple. You've heard it for years. It's not a fad. It's a real thing. It really will help. 
And then number three would be to know your insulin levels, because again, coming back to that insulin resistance, if you're treating your thyroid and you know it, and you're going gluten-free, gluten-free does not mean low carb. So you could be eating all the gluten-free quote unquote boxes of gluten-free cookies and gluten-free pasta and gluten-free bread. Right. So now you're pumping out all this insulin and now you're insulin resistant. You think you're doing a good job, but you are insulin resistant. You have all this inflammation. So those are the three that if you get that in alignment, if you know your numbers, you go gluten-free and lower those carbs and check to see if you're insulin resistant or not, bring down the product, cut out the processed food. You can be gluten-free without eating boxed everything that has gluten-free on the front of it. So go real food, gluten-free, and that makes a world of difference with your health. Absolutely. Those are great, great touch points. Are you taking new patients and where can my listeners find you? I am. I am. So in order to, if you're interested in working together, you can go to my website at dramyhorneman.com and you can schedule a free assessment call. That's where we go over your health, making sure that we're a good fit to work together. And then we go over all your different options, find what works for you, what program's going to work for you. And then you can find me on the Thyroid Fixer podcast, which I'm going to be bringing Jill on carnivore <laughs> Thyroid Fixer podcast on all podcast platforms. And of course you can find me on all social platforms as well under Dr. Amy Horneman. Yeah, I will put all of that information in the show notes and I can attest to the, um, her podcast is kick ass. Love it. Absolutely. One of my faves. Thank Thank you you again so much for joining me today. I know my listeners are going to walk away with tons of nuggets and reassess their, their healthcare. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Jill. Bye. Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Lifestyle changes can be hard and overwhelming to make. By building your support team of functional medicine doctors, therapists, and health coaches, you can reach your optimal health goals. Be sure to check out my other podcasts. Until we meet again, stay healthy.